was the passage of civil rights legislation in the 60s. And most people don't even know how that happened or what drove that, what we call movement. But it was a move of God. Amen. It's validated on so many different levels. Amen. And, you know, all the Pentecostals who supposedly have so much power, we pray in tongues and we see visions and stuff. We let the Baptists outdo us on that one. Uh-huh. Many of you were not, claimed not to be old enough to remember, but y'all sitting up there looking at me like I'm teaching ancient history or something. But I was a teenager doing much of what went on, and it was amazing to see it happen. I was not uh, saved at that time, but I remember seeing people praying and marching and uh, using uh, passive resistance. And there's scripture to validate how they did things. God says he will fight our battles for us. Amen. And if God fights your battles, you don't have to go out and kill a cop or protest and demonstrate in the streets and cause an uproar and a disturbance just to agitate things. But you can let God lead you into making sure that the world understands what your cause is. And that's what happened there. People were shocked because television was a fairly new medium. People uh, just got to be able to afford television at that time, you know, in many, many households. Television had been around since the late 40s, but it was so expensive people couldn't afford it. And so it got to be commonplace in households that there was TV. And every night on the evening news, you'd see peaceful black people uh, going into a restaurant trying to get a seat and police sicking dogs on them. And that was so appalling to most people who tried to deny those things were happening in this nation that there was an outcry of people in this nation for change. And so God set that up because God's word is always true. If he tells you that we're all made in his image and likeness, that means that there are no inferior human beings in the world. Amen. And there are no superior human beings in the world. We're all made in the image and the likeness of God. And so God uh, promoted the man that he put in charge of that move of God. And uh, Dr. Martin Luther King got to be a household name and was known worldwide. Uh, But he was a man who prayed for things. And he made sure that he was being led by the Spirit of God in the things that he did. And so we're very, very grateful for his obedience to the Spirit of God. And God was able to right a wrong and make a a lie evident to people that there is truth there, that all men are created equal. They're endowed with their common creator with certain inalienable rights, and those rights are upheld by God. And so we, amen, so we honor the Lord, amen, and the people that he has called for that movement. It was an orderly movement. Nobody questioned Dr. King's leadership. Some people did a little bit. You're always going to find people who want the limelight instead of the uh, giving God the glory and being obedient to God. But God was able to uh, stand behind him and uphold everything that he did and everything that he told him to do. And so you had a successful move of God that changed the course of legislation in a nation, that changed the complexion 
of our social setting where we can see people of all races and colors, not just black and white, but all uh, nationalities having free access to everything that they desire to have access to for their uh, good and for their enjoyment of life. And so I would say that was a successful move of God. There are other moves of God that we have noted and, and seen, um, and they come and tend to fizzle out because many times men strive over authority in these things. You see revivals break out here and there, and immediately everybody wants to own it. And we all know that you can't own God. You can't own a move of God. And so in, in Pentecostal circles, they kind of fizzle out a little bit because of that, that thing that gets into human beings, and it's called pride, and it's called ambition, and wanting to merchandise and, and make uh, something that God is doing their very own. And so I was very, very grateful when God gave us a ministry of prayer, uh, because I know that prayer is very powerful in its effect in the earth, and I also know that God will stand behind you when you are assigned to prayer. There are certain benefits that come uh, with a life of prayer that you just don't have other than, than uh, when, when God uh, assigns you in these areas. So when we... Uh, when God gave us the mandate to start the Rejoice Detroit meetings, uh, <clears throat> we were in, I was in Cleveland, and uh, uh, we got a news report one day that some young ladies who had been missing for over 10 years were found in a house on the west side of Cleveland. And uh, amen. And uh, amen. Praise God. He's worthy. Amen. He's worthy to be praised. It was nothing but the hand of God freeing those young women uh, from their captor. And uh, it was such a remarkable event because there's so many people who had prayed for these young women over the years. And many, many people never lose heart. I remember when, uh, when we started praying for missing children, it was over 25 years ago. Uh, Pastor Shirley was in the supermarket and she said, um, she kept seeing, it was back in the day when they would put faces on milk cartons. And she said that she was walking through the store and the Lord spoke to her to begin to collect those and pray for these children that they would be returned uh, to their parents and they would be released from their captors. And so we always kept them. We got a poster now that's over 25 years old with those little faces on there. Amen. And we still pray for them. So in Habakkuk 2.14, God gave us a, um, <clears throat> well, 2 in verse um, 3 is where, where the cornerstone scripture for our ministry. If you know anything about our ministry, our, our, um, our symbol is the lighthouse. And uh, if you want to know more about that, I have a book on it. It's called The Ministry of the Watchman, Beacon of the Body of Christ, Keeper of the Lord's wa uh, Lighthouse. And so um, the watchman is the lighthouse keeper in the earth. And so it's an undertaking that you don't ever retire from. Uh, you don't ever quit. You're not released from it. It's a lifelong call. I'm always interested in people come into the ministry and they say, God told me to leave and go elsewhere and do something else. And I know that's not true uh, because it's a lifelong call. But, you know, you can't argue with people about stuff like that. You just let them do what they feel. But, but you won't be successful and you won't be at peace until you go back and do what God called you to do. You know, you can fake it if you want to, but you're not making it and you know you're not. So you might as well do what God has ordained for you. This is ordained for us before the foundation of the earth. 
before you got here and had your kids and your problems and your husband that won't do this and won't do that and your wife that ain't spiritual and you want to leave her and get somebody else and all that stuff, God ordained you from the foundation of the earth to do what you're called to do, amen, in spite of all that. And so you're still ordained, you're still called, and so you get to getting, huh? So anyway, uh, in Habakkuk 2.3, this is where we are 2.1. It starts actually the whole second chapter of Habakkuk speaks to us as for the mandate for our ministry. And he says, I will stand upon my watch. So that means God's giving you a watch. And and unless, you know, God goes out of business, you will stand. Not sit, not run, but stand. And set me upon the tower and will watch to see what he will say unto me and what shall I shall answer when I'm reproved. So you see here a picture of someone who is uh, really like our, our, uh, our uh, nowadays police department. If your policeman doesn't patrol your street, then the enemy has free reign to do what he wants to do. So God assigns people to watch over cities, nations, countries, works individual souls whatever he tells you to watch over you watch over it and he says and i will see what uh, what he will say unto me what i shall answer when i'm reproved so god's holding you accountable he's not going to just say oh yeah well you know i would have prayed god but so and so um you give an account for your life down here on earth it's not if you feel like it and if it's comfortable you want God to bless you whether he feels like it. You don't ask him if he's in the mood to bless you. You just ask for stuff. And so he should be entitled to, to have reciprocating uh, investment from us. So it says also, and the Lord answered me, and he said, write the vision and make it plain upon table so that anybody who reads it can run with it. And that's what we've done with our prayer manual. He gave us that revelation of how to pray for different areas and if you read through it you'll see pretty much area any area that you could think to pray for is covered there and so we've had 30 years of of testimony of answer prayer using that method amen uh, we've been we've been through the fire on the method we use we've had people come in and want you know that i said this ain't tryout night this ain't blessed the mic night you can't have this mic You can have some prayers to pray, but you ain't getting this mic. Go rent your own place, buy your own equipment. If you want a mic, you can get a mic. They got karaoke night at most bars. This this ain't no bar. Did you notice? You know, they got AA meetings for people who want the mic. My name is Barb, and I'm an out. You know what I'm saying? Come on now, but you ain't getting this mic. Uh, right. It's a holy mic. We let God call who he wants to. So, you know, people get upset if it wasn't their time to shine and tell us what they saw. In their, we don't let people inject their visions, their dreams. That's for you. In God, we already have an assignment. That's for somebody else's meeting. But we already understand how to get this work done for God. And so there's no superstars, you know. Ooh, sister so-and-so, I wonder if she coming today. See what she saw in the spirit. No, we don't have that. We don't know where, no, nothing you saw nowhere. 
So. We got work to do. He says a vision is yet for an appointed time. This is where you lose a lot of people. They don't want to wait for the appointed time for a vision. You don't appoint the time for when it comes to pass. That time's appointed by God. So you just stand upon your watch for the appointed time. He said at the end it will speak and not lie. Amen. So we've seen many, many answers to prayer. We're going to share some of those about Detroit with you today. He says it will surely come. It will not tarry. So it won't won't uh, won't be put on. You won't have to wait forever for these answers. The just shall live by his faith. The soul of him which is lifted up in him is not upright, but the just shall live by their faith. And so this is a faith walk. It is a faith uh, ministry, and we have a faith mission uh, to see these things come to pass. And in verse uh, 14, it says, and this is the vision and the goal, for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of. So that's what we're praying toward. We're praying towards seeing the earth fill with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord, like the waters cover the seas. So it won't be evil and drug abuse and prostitution, all these things going on forever and ever. But the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the seas. And this will be a holy move. In verse 15, woe to him that gives his neighbor drink and puts it in a bottle. So woe to those people who are enticing people to sin, who are setting up stumbling blocks. So they won't rule forever. The evil people won't be in charge of all the everything forever. Amen. God will will, will vindicate his people. Amen. And and uh, people who, who deal in false gods, worship graven images, all your Muslims, your Buddhists, you know, all of those people, if they can be saved, God will get them in. But there's, there's going to come a cutoff date for all work of iniquity. Amen. There always has been. There always will be. The days of Noah proved that out to us. Amen. When God destroyed everybody on Sodom and Gomorrah proved that out to us. God had a time where he was done with that. Amen. And when he's done with that, he'll gather in all the remnant that will be saved. And after that, he shuts the ark of the door. The door of the ark is shut. And that's it. Okay. And so we have to understand that that's how God deals with things. It's up to God to set his agenda But he wants to save a remnant holy people who will live for him. If you live for God, you don't ever have a woe to consider in your life. Amen. If you're obedient to God, you don't have to worry about what's coming. You don't have to worry about the doom and gloom visions that people have. And I had a dream and saw something on fire. I said, well, did you you smell smoke in your house? You understand what I'm saying? I mean, come on now. We can't gather up everybody's dreams and try and validate them. But I know what's in God's word. See, this is the sure word of prophecy. You got me? This is the sure word. This one's bankable. Amen. Our visions and dreams only go so far. If they're validated by God, you get a witness in your spirit. Ask him what to do with that information. But it's not for us to run through the, you know, like Chicken Little, the sky is falling, you know, and it's just raining. You know what I'm saying? 
And so we have to watch as prophetic people. We have to be ever so respectful of God and his word and his people sharing words with people and influencing them with your words. You know, let's be holy about it and cut out all the manipulation and, and, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. So we have to do that. Now, why pray for Detroit? Well, we were inspired by the events that happened in Cleveland. And what inspired me was when I watched the news that evening where they had found out who those girls were that were locked up in that house and how they got them out. There was dancing in the street. And I mean, it wasn't organized. It was just like that whole neighborhood was liberated and a powerful evil had left that area and there was rejoicing among the people. Amen. Now, the Bible says when the righteous prosper, the city rejoices. When the wicked perish, there are shouts of joy. And so we saw that in Cleveland, and I thought, I said, well, Lord, we need to have rejoicing everywhere. I said, we, we need rejo- Detroit to rejoice as well and rejoice with us and rejoice. So we felt that what we needed to do was rejoice in Detroit prophetically. In Cleveland, they got an answer and saw the answer and began to rejoice. In Detroit, we said we'd rejoice prophetically and rejoice in the now for what God will be doing in this city. And so that's how we set up the prayer. And I think we've been praying close to two years now. I know it's been 18 months. Anybody know? Okay, December. So it's, oh, a little over a year. Okay. Like I said, over two years, whatever. So, anywho, (laughs) I don't keep up with the numbers, yeah, but but it's been good. And so I I thought we'd share some of the areas that we're praying. Uh, We're praying, and they're very, very uh, compacted uh, areas, only six areas I think we pray for revival, for the safety of this city, repentance among the people, for industry and for people to return to the Lord. And so in in that sense, we're praying a spiritual revival. This is what the Lord spoke to us, that the city of Detroit is not only financially depressed, but spiritually depressed also. I remember, I think it was in the early 2000s, the Lord told us the big three would come down. And at that time, they were flourishing. And nobody, you know, you say stuff like that in front of people who work in them places. You get all them daggers and stuff like that. But it's like, okay, well, you know, whatever. Lord, you, Lord, thou knowest. And uh, But anyway, um, they, they did come down. And people thought some things that happened, they thought well, they would never see happen. I never thought they would see all the exposure of the city uh, to, to the elements and, and to uh, crime and all those things. Uh, when I first came to Detroit, I think it was in 1994, and uh, I began to pray, and I didn't know how long I was staying. I was hoping I wasn't staying. Um, we had come because my husband's job transferred him here, and I knew I w- thought I would go back to Cleveland. I knew I wasn't going to divorce my husband, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, don't, I don't play that. I don't play that deep. That would mess up the whole show. You see a sister begging, I'd be begging. <laughs> you know, brother came up to me, well, this was before I was saved, years ago, and said he was going to leave me. 
you know. I had a nervous breakdown. But after I got saved, I said, you going to do what? To who? You know who I am. Gina, huh? You know who I am, huh? You're messing with the kids, now, huh? In Christ. <laughs> but you know, God heals you and puts you together. You get a little invincible on some stuff. You can, you know, devil, you ran it by me the first time because I didn't know nothing and don't nobody. Now I know somebody. Amen. So, anywho. I said, you can't go nowhere. Your chain only reaches so far. Ah, yes. Well, he's in heaven now. He can't speak up, so I have to keep it short. He can't defend himself. (laughs) Praise the Lord. Anywho. (laughs) But I, I wasn't sure how long my time here would be. But I did begin to pray, and I said, well, Lord, you know, somebody said, if you if you call a bear fruit, you bear fruit wherever you are. And so I started to pray and ask God what he wanted me to do. And he asked me to start praying and, and gather some watchmen together in this city of Detroit. And I remember going to meetings and seeing people here and there. And, and they were interested in what we were doing. I think Miss Clydell was in the first bunch. And she brought Miss Juana in and, and some other people. And, and over the years, we've seen many people, amen, come in and uh, undertake the ministry. And uh, so we were able to set up some some meetings here and begin to pray and begin to see God move uh, and do great things. One of our assignments was to uh, dethrone the spirit of assisted suicide, which was murder, you know. So when this city was known as the murder capital of the nation, remember back in those days, we don't want to remember, but it is part of the history here. So there was a a murder spirit that was rampant, and and murder can come in a lot of different forms. Uh, And and one of them was assisted suicide. And I remember at the time there were Jack Kravorkian supporters uh, in high places around this area in Oakland County. There was quite a bit of activity, witchcraft activity. It's a high seat of witchcraft there. Uh, Same thing in Windsor, Ontario. So we started having our meetings over there. And uh, God began to help us to see how to bring these things down. Uh, My my desire had always been um, to trust God for my personal needs, but to use my prayer life to attack things that were more powerful. Um, I just decided, God, I'm not going to spend my life wondering when I'm going to get a good job or when I'm going to get some money. I want to do something. Show me the big man around here. And every city I went to, they usually show up and introduce themselves to me. But, uh, you know, it's all good because God prevails. Amen. If you stay obedient to God, he prevails over everything. You know, people think witchcraft is a big deal, but our first Bible study was full of witches. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we were baby Christians casting out devils, so that wasn't, you know, a big deal. They don't frighten me at all, you know. So there's no fear. When the anointing really takes care of the fear, if you stay under the shadow of the Almighty, amen, don't try to do it in your own strength. So praise God. So, yeah, we cut our teeth on spirits of witchcraft. 
and, and manipulation and subtlety and, you know, the enemy working deceitfully or religious spirits. That was a big one you have to confront uh, when you want to see the glory of God. Every false thing has to come down. Everything that's masquerading as the power of God, you know, will, will shy, will be revealed and, and shrink back in shame uh, if you step up and, and do the things God wants you to do. So we were able to see Jack Kravorkian put in jail. We were able to see him finally die. And uh, praise God. But the more important thing was that assisted suicide, where it was so supported uh, when we first started to pray, we saw people embarrassed and turn away after their leader was exposed uh, as a murderer. And so it never got a foothold here. We're so thankful for that. Amen. Because God knew that... uh, uh, government-supported health care was coming next. And when you have a government in charge of deciding whether you live or die, you know, you, you don't want that. And so that's what we're fighting against, folks. We're fighting against things that we don't see coming yet, amen, but God sees them. And so that's why we stay on our watch. That's why we continue to pray. We've always had two watches every week. Saturday we meet corporately, and through the week we have people assigned to prayer partners. And I'm so thankful for people who pray faithfully and understand what it means to have a mandate to pray and not pray because they're feeling good or because they're getting something out of it. Amen. This is a sacrifice. Amen. And so you undertake it just like you do your job. You know, this is your job. You, 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 your life wouldn't go well at all if you didn't do this. And I, I just feel bad for people who don't think it's important to pray. You know, sometimes people get so wrapped up in them and what's wrong in their life, they can't see giving out anything. And, and when your life is like that, God sees that as a sacrifice, and he will honor it all the more if you will be obedient to him. So you pray in season, out of season. We, you pray when you're blessed and when you're waiting on something. Amen. You pray all the time and never stop. And that's what watchmen do. So it's a good thing to understand that and, and develop that spiritual grit and toughness that it takes to endure hardness like a good soldier and just keep doing what you do for God. And he takes care of you. It's not that he don't care about what you're going through, but go through it. Don't pitch a tent and camp there. Amen. Go through it and keep a living for God. So so we, we decided to uh, have a monthly meeting, Rejoice Detroit, and I thought I would just have our, our regular uh, crew there, but Pastor Shirley said, we think we need to be there. And so every month, uh, the ministry, the ones who want to come from Cleveland come up for that meeting as well. And we've had some wonderful, wonderful things happen uh, in those uh, meetings. We know that we are living in a spiritually depressed as well as financially depressed area. So you have to attack the devil on all those levels. You can't have a pet prayer that you want to see answered and just pray for that. Well, that's good. We caught that one pretty quick. Amen. (laughs) Praise God. Amen. Your kingdom people, not not you on your little throne, huh? God will take care of you, <laughs> but He wants to see some faith. Amen. He's a good father, 
and he knows the potential that's in his children and so he brings it out in the area of work and relating to things of the spirit that are important to the kingdom if you are a royal priesthood that means that you have work to do that affects not only your own life but the lives of so many other people and so you're you're invested in your nation you're invested in the world you're invested in different areas and it's a great investment so we're we're uh we're praying on financial uh industrial spiritual levels uh and a level of awakening the people out of their sleep uh, religion dopes people up amen it just keeps us running around thinking we're pursuing god but you're just going from one meeting to the next watching the clock for when the meeting's over you sit there excited hoping something's going to happen and after two hours you give up and go home because nothing exciting really happens when you put god on a clock your motive is wrong your method is wrong you know, you got to have another meeting so you can pay more bills and get another offering. So that's why you have another meeting. Get a worship team that, you know, plays real good to lure people in there. And some some ministries now are just built on worship songs. I call them headbanger music because it's not really worship. <laughs> no, no, no. Breaking the law, breaking the law that kind of stuff and and there's no real worship there there's no inviting god in you know jesus might like head banging he might like to bang some heads or something but you don't invite him in you know you you're more trying to lure the people in you know so you can be the next great thing so so god's not into that he's into making changes he looks at the drug addict he looks at the 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 depressed uh, person he looks at the person in the insane asylum and he wants to get those people relief from their difficulties and that's where he resides amen the 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 one thing you can be sure of when whatever you do to the least of them you've done it unto him he knows that amen he knows the difference I remember Mother Teresa saying uh, she would train the nuns that she, she had working with her uh, to, when you minister to these people that are dying in the streets, bring them in, give them a comfortable. She said her, her goal was to see every person that was dying to die in clean surroundings and not on the streets like an animal. And so that she, her ministry was to the dying to bring them comfort in their, their final stages. Many of the people got well and, and had a good life, but that was her goal. And she taught those nuns that when they, they, they she said, she would say things like, you have an opportunity to touch Jesus. She said, when you bathe a person that, that has an odor, you're touching Jesus. When you, And she said, many of the nuns reported to her that they would have supernatural experiences where they actually saw the face of the Lord on that person as they were ministering to them, cleaning them up. See what I'm saying? It's real, folks. It's real. And so when you touch those who are, are least likely to be able to bless you back, you've touched the Lord. And so he, he gives a sound judgment when, he, when people meet him, um, you know, on the day of reckoning and, and have not done that. He says, depart from me. I never knew you. Amen. He, he was never uh, introduced to you. 
in the fellowship of the sufferings of other human beings. And that's where he wants to meet all of us. Amen? So, so we have to be very careful to make sure we minister to those who really need it. The city needs an awakening, a spiritual awakening. Come out of the dope of church life and business as usual, recreational church, church by the numbers. Uh, we have the biggest this, the largest that. Uh, you know, we're the, the chief apostle of the city, that kind of nonsense. God wants us to come away from that and really begin to work for him and see some results. In the 60s, we saw a great exodus from the church to the world. I don't know if you noticed, but groups like Motown started to get really big during that time. Those were all church kids. Those were the gifts of God. Amen. Going out into the world. Uh, for in, in God said that that we would see those gifts coming back to the house of God. Amen. Uh, because God wants all his people back to him. Amen. So the, the church got to be performance oriented rather than service oriented. And so God wants to bring service orientation back to the church. And that's when the anointing will increase. You don't need a serve, you don't need an anointing to get out there and cause a few goosebumps on people, huh? Beyonce can do that, huh? Amen. What we want is to be able to change people's lives and reveal Christ to them. Amen. So when we're oriented towards serving humanity, we will see a great outpouring of God's spirit. Revival is breathing new life into dead areas. So we pray for revival in the church. Uh, we pray in industry. We pray for people. <clears throat> and we know we must worship God in order to see what we um, want to see in these areas. So in the Rejoice Detroit meetings, uh, Bishop Russell uh, does the praise and worship for us, and we are able to move into the spirit in a deeper way, and, and we're really able to get instruction and direction from the Lord for these things. So I thought I'd bring up, amen, praise God. In the time we have left, I thought I'd bring up uh, several people to give us some some uh, report uh, about their interest and in, in their area. There are certain people that God will speak to <clears throat> about direction. Pastor Shirley, come on up and share with us uh, for about five minutes the things God showed you about how to pray for, uh, you know, we have our set watch, we have our prayers, but in those prayers there is room for people who have an individual thrust to their, their interest to add to those so we can focus in on the things God wants us to focus in on. So. Praise God. I believe um, that God was just impressing on me um, about the, the ruins of the city. And we, were, we took a two-hour, a three-hour tour. I call it that. But Mr. Howard was putting us on punishment. And he took us, he took us the long route through the city. And I'm, I'm saying, where is he going? But I realized that it was the Lord because he wanted me to take a good look at what was going on in the city of Detroit. And, you know, some stuff was funny, but, you know, we, we got to see how people really are living in the inner city. And it was just brought tears to my eyes. So the Lord told me, he said he wants to rebuild these places. He wanted to, you know, give the people a chance, another chance at living well and he wanted to rebuild his city which we already knew that but he gave me gave me a real 
open eye view of what was going on. And so I began to pray and I talked to Pastor Barb about it. And not knowing, you know, we're like HGTV buffs. And so uh, we really love this show. Uh, what's her name? Um, Rehab. Well, they all know because I keep telling them all the time. And I like, we like, and Pastor Barb brought something to my attention. She says, you notice she doesn't tear things down. But she rebuilds things back to its former glory. And that stuck with me. And so when we were going through this tour, this tour of the city, I was just looking and I said, wow, what, what would it be like if these uh, houses were brought back to their former glory? And so I just began to pray and we all began to pray. And God allowed that very lady on rehab addict to go back. She was, a, 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 she was born in Detroit and we didn't know that at first. And she went back home, and now she's still here. And she, um, and then the Lord was showing me when we went, there were certain, not on, on this particular tour, it was a different tour. There were certain uh, whole streets just closed with gates across them. And in Toledo, it's the same thing that's not even open to the public because every house on the block is, is condemned. And so uh, the Lord told me, he said, there are many athletes that came from this city, many people who I have prospered and they've moved on, they need to come back and they need to show their support. Amen. Praise God. And so the athletes stuck to my mind. And pretty soon, Nicole on Rehab Addict had uh, LeBron James in LeBron in Akron, Ohio, because he's from Ohio, and they uh, redid a house for a family. And I said, well, if he can do that, he can come to Detroit. And so I started to pray that athletes would buy these homes, which they, they had a lot of athletes that bought whole blocks. Whole blocks. Isn't that something? And I, at first, you know, I'm, I'm the kind of, kind of person I questioned God. I said, well, why'd they buy a whole block? And the Lord said, remember, the whole block was condemned. It's just sad. I've never seen that before. Just a whole street just doesn't exist anymore. And so, sure enough, we had two athletes, I can't remember their name, I was just reading on the internet, bought two blocks, each one bought a block. And so the Lord said, pray for more, amen, <laughs> hallelujah. And so we just started praying for more athletes to buy blocks, and then Pastor Tony came the other, uh, last week and gave a report about, uh, who was that, Pastor Tony? The Pistons. The Pistons. You know, buying buildings, and then there were churches in the city. You know, churches want to do their part, and um, it was two big churches. It was last year. Bought some houses. They didn't fix them up, but they did promise to tear them down so that they wouldn't be, you know, uh, dangerous to the city. But we've got all kind of people now joining in. And the one thing I want to say about Nicole on a rehab addict. When she went to Detroit to restore this big, beautiful home, she always sells tickets. She does this wherever she goes. And she sells tickets for people, just $5, for people to come in and view the house before and then after the transformation. And when she was in Detroit to do that first house, I noticed something. This little guy, he was on a bike. He was a teenager, and the camera was there. And he was saying, Detroit is coming back. He says, we're back. 
And he says, I know nobody believes us, but this city is coming back. And there was people all, there was like at least 300 people out there. And they were rejoicing. Amen. And it was, hallelujah. And, and that scripture, when the city, you know, when the wicked fall, the, the righteous rejoice. And they were rejoicing, and she says, I don't know what's going on out here. He, she says, but everyone's happy, and they're dancing. I think they were serving drinks out there, and you would have thought it was a big block. It looked like a big block party. But it was, it was so encouraging to me. To keep, and that's why I just kept praying. And so then now she's in Detroit again. And, the, the, well, they had last season, they, but it was uh, in 2015, they had a show called Recho, Re, um, Rehab Addict Detroit. So God made it plain. Yeah, this is me and this is the same project. Rejoice Detroit. Amen. That's for all the naysayers. Those people that don't believe. You know, Rehab Addict Detroit. And now this season, it's on TV now. They, uh, it's Rehab Addict, and it says you can always go home. And, that's, and so she went home. She's from Detroit. And so God is not finished with Detroit. In fact, he is just starting. So I would just ask all of you to pray and ask God for more people with humble hearts or people who care to see this city come back because it's a great city. God's given a lot out of this city. Not only is it the motor city, this is the city of industry. Amen. Praise God. And so many factories and, and you know when the big three fell, you know, it was just like a ghost town. It was so sad and so many people lost everything. But God is giving back. He's he is restoring and re this is the season of restoration and, and restoring. Amen. And so, you know, don't be afraid to pray for something that looks impossible because that's when God works best. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Cheryl. <clears throat> um Nola, come on up and share what you're, um, everybody in the ministry that prays, especially the people who are more responsible than leadership and minister. Nola uh, subs for Pastor Shirley and she preaches for us and uh, she's a great soul winner. She's our secretary and she's the one who bugs you on the phone when you don't want to come so you don't get offended when you say no and try to abuse her on the phone she just keeps her plugging through so uh so she she takes a great interest in uh, things and uh, one thing i can tell you about pastor shirley and nola and many and that we don't quit amen we don't quit so thank you one saturday we were at rejoice detroit actually it was last year september 2014 it's when we first got the report that Doug Messimer and Jacks that's a male, and Jacks Blackmore, she's a female, they wanted to build the first satanic temple in Detroit. And uh, so when Pastor Barr said it, we were at Rejoice Detroit, and I'm thinking, I don't think so. And so, <laughs> and so I was, you know, that was just me talking, because I know the devil don't have any rights, and so he can't come nowhere building nothing, you know. And so anyway, we were at the Rejoice Detroit, so uh, I was given the prayer to continue to pray this at our weekly meeting. And so they said that they wanted to, to build the first chapter. So this was September 2014 when we started praying, and as of this day, they still do not have a land to build on. Amen. And they have this statue that they erected, spent thousands of dollars on this creature that they want to sell $25 a ticket to come take a picture with it, of this graven image. 
And so the, one of the places uh, called Birch, they wanted to have an, an unveiling there. And uh, the people of Detroit spoke up because of the prayers of the righteous. And amen. And so Birch backed out. Because it says our customers weren't thrilled with the ideal of a restaurant hosting this unveiling. Amen. So they are not pleased to have Satan come in their city and be celebrated or exalted. Amen. And so uh, one of the founders, Jack Blackmore, she said that she was appalled that all the Christian leaders raised up against them without coming to them, talking to them, and trying to figure out what they were about. And she said that this unveiling is a call to arms. I'm thinking, call to arms? But the Bible says, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, he's already prevailed. What you going to talk about? And so, so she's appalled. They still don't know where they're going to be. Now they're trying to find a place to rent because they already know they can't build anything. So now they're trying. And then it's been secretive because now they're fearful. Because you know how the devil do. He'll get, you, he'll get you up front to do something stupid. And then after that, he makes a fool out of you when it's not going to come to pass. Because initially, he wants to kill them. And so their name is Doug Messimer, Jax Blackmore. It's a witch and a warlock. And we need to pray for their salvation. Amen. Because their plans are not going to come to fruition. Amen. And so this is that satanic temple that will not be built. And their plans are not being established. Amen. And so also with praying for safety for Michigan, well, with the Rejoice Detroit, we pray for safety. And a few months ago, Pastor Shirley and Pastor Barr were able to find out, the Lord let them know there was at least six cities that are targeted for terrorism. And Michigan is one of them. So at our weekly meeting, I just want to show you, we prayed the uh, terrorism prayer. We started praying this after September 11th. And uh, we have all of our... I mean, we're, God is so faithful to let you know what to do. And so we pray for all of our departmental leaders. I mean, we start from the police down to the United Nations Secretary General. And so I'm going to tell you, we've been praying this ever since back when um, Bush and Coffee on and I could never say his name right, uh, was the Secretary General. So we've been praying this, and we also pray to pray against terrorism. We have these on bookmarks that we give out every year for free. You can get 20 of them. And I remember when I lived when I lived in Cleveland, we lived in a res, regular residential neighborhood. And I remember that first Halloween, I gave out Psalms 91 bookmarks and candy. But I had people, and there are 800 numbers on there, and I would have folks call back and ask for those bookmarks. And so, but anyway, so we found out Michigan had been one of the targets for terrorism. So we have been praying for that. We pray that at Rejoice Detroit. We pray it at our weekly meeting, and we call out the other states. And then last week we have a praise report Pastor Barb read, and I want to share. And it says that a Dearborn Heights man plotted ISIS-style attack in Detroit. And it said the suspect never said what church he planned to attack, but according to investigators, he identified a possible target less than a half mile away from where he worked. It said the sworn affidavit describes the chilling details that could have been a deadly terror attack in Detroit. The 21-year-old Kali Abu Rayyan allegedly told an undercover agent on social media he tried to shoot up a church one day, and the Holy Spirit wouldn't let him. Amen. Amen. Because, see, we have 
we've been we have a call to arms we have divine protection over that city and there's a banner of righteousness that's been raised up over the state of michigan and the enemy cannot penetrate that hedge the bible says if you come against that hedge you'll be bit by the serpent pricked by the thorns and burnt by the fire amen and so there's a hedge around detroit it says, okay, I'm just going to go on it. But anyway, I'm going to jump down a little bit because I don't want to go over my, my five minutes. It says, now, Abu Rayyan, well, okay, I, I'm going to jump down. I'm sorry. It says that with that being said, and based upon everything in his affidavit, it seems very much possible the United States Attorney General, they're going to file more charges against him. But he is so drunk with ISIS, he actually carries around a sword in his car so that he can behead Christians. He's just so deranged. But I thank God he, the Lord exposed him. He was not able to, you know, do what he had planned on doing. And so I'm just so thankful that this ISIS-style attack. So we, we pray against ISIS, and we ask the Lord to bankrupt them because the enemy tries to come in with all, you know, they, they're just deceived. And so we've been asking the Lord to bankrupt them, dry up their resources. Whoever is supplying their alms, that would dry up. And so we're just thankful that uh, God is showing himself faithful with that Rejoice Detroit. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Nola. Bishop Russell is going to come up and share some things. He is very active in the community. He and uh, Pastor Val and the New Covenant of Peace family, we've been having our meetings there, which I like being hostess did <laughs> we always have lunch afterwards we ask people to come fasting i don't know if y'all do that, but whatever put them twinkies and minkies down a little bit but uh, we do start our meetings off with fasting we don't really people don't really you know we know that your your spirit man is released to a greater connection to god when you're not <laughs> indulging so to speak but uh, that's how we start our morning prayers off and and uh, they're very very um re- you know we we get good results with that method so we're very thankful for that so bishop russell uh is very active in the community come on up bishop russell he's going to share some things with us and i think it will end with shannon cry come on praise god for him shannon crowley has a um uh the last prophecy that we received at the last rejoice detroit meeting oh, yeah. so you're gonna play a clip from that and we'll we'll end with that so praise god amen thank you pastor marvin amen i'm on behalf of uh, detroit where i live and where god lives amen i always tell people that that he visits everywhere but he lives in detroit amen <laughs> Dr. Bill Winston thinks he lives in Chicago. You know, different people, different have ideas, but he lives in Detroit. But <laughs> I really want to say thank you uh, to your ministry and appreciate you so much um, for your faithfulness. And I'm just so honored that people would come to my city to pray for my city. I mean, that's just, it's amazing. It's amazing to me. And um, and then they would come to our church. Wow. I mean, it's, it's just the highest honor. But, um, you know, you mentioned I'm real involved in the city, real active in a lot of things. But that's the result of prophecy that happened right in these meetings. Um, it was 100 years ago. Um, <laughs> prophet from California, Alan 
Wilson. Yeah. Oh, I got it right. Alan Wilson. Yeah. But he prophesied that, those exact words, that I would be a key man in the city. And at that time, I mean, I wasn't really doing anything like that at all. And um, so since that time, a lot of doors have opened, and we're just doing things. But um, in our community on the east side, we, we do a work, uh, and the Osborne is called Osborne Community. Um, it's more known for bad than good. Um, 48205 zip code, you may have heard, was like the highest murder rate and highest crime rate uh, in the city of Detroit. And uh, so that, you know, that was the, the, the case in Osborne. But thank God for prayer. And uh, so many things have happened. Several years ago, there was a, a movement uh, called Diddy. And a lot of stuff in, in community work um, is a lot of acronyms. And Brother James, you know, acronyms and stuff. I mean, you know, lingo and, and letters and alphabets. But uh, Diddy was a, a law enforcement, multidisciplinary law enforcement, to drive down homicide numbers and to, you know, and so since Daddy came, it's really helped. Numbers have gone down like 30%, and uh, the crime numbers are continually going down. Now, they're still high, too high, but they, they're going down, consistently going down. And there are all types of new programs, all types of new efforts in the area, and, um, and, and so it's, it's really a lot of good things going on. In our area, for years, it was overlooked. There was no development. Um, the last thing that was developed in our area, and that had been in 10 years, uh, was a senior citizens facility that our company built uh, over in the Osborne area. But since then, there was nothing else, and it was just nothing. But there was this park called Lipke Park, and um, the, the mayor wanted to close it down. And so the residents said, no, 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 we're not going to close it down. We're not going to close it down. You know, they went back and forth. And the mayor said, well, you find the money to keep it open. You can keep it open. <laughs> you can have it if you can run it. Well, the people found Mitch Album, and this is all, I believe, a result of prayer, who invested $10 million in Lickey Park, something that was, was being torn down and desolate, is now state-of-the-art. All the things have been renovated. Uh, there's a learning center in there that's phenomenal, a music studio where the kids can learn music. And uh, this was paid for with Mitch Album and the Detroit Lions. They have a real football field, just like you would see at Ford Field, a real one. You know, they have that. And now recently, just two weeks ago, the Pistons came and invested $600,000 into the learning center. And the Tigers are coming to redo the baseball field. And the Red Wings are going to do the soccer field. <laughs> so there's your athletes. <laughs> and so there's a lot of things, um, a lot of things going on. And, of course, we need more prayer with the schools. But I believe even this is God. Our mother at that church prophesied years ago that schools were not going to be normal in Detroit. And uh, I tell you, that's what's happening. And so there's a lot of changes going on. And um, I think, you know, with the EAA and all of that going being turned upside down, it, it's going to be a big positive change. It doesn't look positive, 
but it's going to be a positive change because of the prayers of the righteous. Amen. And then I have just one other thing. Um, yeah, I was looking at my notes. Um, are we streaming? Okay, so I have to be real careful how I say this. But um, one of the things that we've had the privilege uh, to do is to get um, kind of close to the mayor. Not like we're buddy-buddy, but he certainly knows me, recognizes me. And uh, we've been to the mansion twice in the last couple months. And uh, we were at this big uh, clergy thing. So um, a lot of the pastors had left and everything. And uh, I love Val because he talks to anybody and everybody about the Lord. So she just flat out said, Are you saved? <laughs> and um, and this is a, a prayer need. Um, his answer, and I, I guess we'll go ahead and share it, and God will cover this. Um, his answer was, I'm a recovering Catholic. He said, I was a prosecutor, and I had to prosecute priests, even my priests, for molesting little boys. And he's so disillusioned by that that it has affected his faith. But we believe, we believe, we believe he will be saved. Amen. Because he's a good man. I think he has a good heart. And, I, again, I can't thank you enough, uh, Pastor Byer, Pastor Shirley, Minister of the Watchmen. I, this whole thing, I praise God for you. I was thinking last night, I'm like, God, I get to worship you, and I don't even have to pay a hotel, and I get a sandwich. Like, it gets, oh, wow, that's some fish. See, it just doesn't get any better than this. I mean, all of this in heaven, too. So, <laughs> thank you so much. And there's just so much going on in this city, all over the city. I didn't even mention downtown, because you know. Downtown is the bomb. I mean, it's just so. Uh, <laughs> Amen. All right. Thank you. I did an old preacher trick. See, I didn't have on my watch, so I didn't know. Oh, you did. That was good. Praise God. <laughs> no watch, but you know what time it is. Amen. Connected to the Lord. Um, I had a couple of, these were a couple. We always pull um, interesting answer to prayer related articles this one is detroit wed red wings owner owner mike illich uh says he's building an arena for 650 million dollars in the downtown district in detroit that's a red wing sports arena amen there's also a mixed-use development uh, in that area that's connected to it. So it's more than just the, uh, you know, for-profit hockey thing. You know, rich people get rich because they know how to make good investments. So, But uh, anyway, they are investing in the city. Uh, there's one about Detroit's Avenue of Fashion on liver noise between 7 and 8 Mile. That's being re rejuvenated on its own. So I drove through there recently, and it's it's something to see. 
It looks very unique sitting there in the midst of everything else that's going on. GM investing nearly $1.3 billion in Michigan, Ohio, and in Indiana. Amen. That's of December 16, 2013. So all of this is coming back, and we're thanking God for it. There's some suburbs around the city of Detroit that really need a boost. We're uh, uh, <laughs> developing our church again in Warren, Michigan, which is an area where the you know the tech center is there, and a lot of big properties that are owned by the big three are there. And that that little area really needs a revival too and a refreshing. So we're just thankful for what God is doing. One of the things I did want to share was uh, when we first came to Michigan, the other mandate we had was not just with the Jack Kerborkian thing. That seemed to be the biggest to me. But also that spirit of death uh, and murder, because it was so pervasive, uh, they were taking place a lot the, the um, night before Halloween. They called it Devil's Night. And so I, I, it was shocked me that people were going, oh, you know, it's Devil's Night. I said, who gave him a night? I said, we need to take it back and call it Angel's Night. And then when the next year we began to pray, and the next year they changed it. All that arson has gone away, maybe an, an odd fire here and there sometimes, and that's it. But, but uh, it, it drastically changed. I just want to let you know that all glory goes to God. I'm, I'm just, I was just a broken, broken person that needed a Savior. And one day I just felt this overwhelming gratitude to God, and I said, God, if there's anything that I can do for you because you've done so much for me, let me know. I said, I don't care what it is. I'll make bologna sandwiches, you know, in a shelter somewhere or whatever. I, and I it just, just, I was willing to do whatever. And, uh, and, and I began to read about the handmaiden of the Lord and, and what an, it seemed like a privilege and an honor to wait on, on God, you know, for, by hand. And, and that's always been, um, the, face of this ministry we serve and and uh, you know when the ministers come here they say gosh we get so much stuff and we feel so loved and so because we're handmaidens folks and and men servants we're not big nothing you understand well i don't ever want to be a big person in my own eyes and or anybody else's but we serve a great god and we're so privileged and honored uh, to be able to serve him one of the last thing I want to share is that when we have uh, the Rejoice Detroit, um, one of the things that Bishop Russell contributes is he does the praise and worship. And uh, at our regular meetings, we do have recorded music uh, for to set the atmosphere. But we felt we would need to have live because we want to set the tone with prophecy. And uh, many of you know I'm, I don't sing, you know, uh, but I grabbed the mic. I, you know, I blessed the mic. Uh, <laughs> preachers, preachers, you know, we can, we sing to the degree that we, we're, we're called cantors. C-A-N-T, it means you can't sing, okay, so you can't. Well, you get it, whatever. <laughs> song of Solomon is a good example of that. That's a song, an actual song, and the priests sang that, so they canted it. Because they can't say. Got me? Anywho, we jump in there. But many prophets are stirred by music. Y'all know that. That's why we have that. And so that happens to be how my gift flows. That's why when, if some I'm trying to prophesy and somebody starts singing or something, I go off and try to join the song because it's, it's a great distraction. <laughs> Praise God. 
I'm a lot nicer when that happens than I used to be, so I'm getting better in my old age. But anyway, uh, but uh, um, we do have that, and, and so we had a recent meeting where we had a message, a prophetic message on the drums. So Shannon's going to play that little bit, and we'll get the interpretation because there are times when messages come in unique ways, and God prophesies on instruments. He prophesies through the wind, and it'll talk to you, and you get an interpretation. And, and so the gift of the interpretation is very strong in the prophet's ministry. So, so we're real thankful for that. So why don't you play that for us, Hannah? How about how many minutes we got? That's good. We got three or four minutes. So why don't you play that, and we'll, we'll get the interpretation. And it's good that we get that because it sets the tone for the work God wants us to do in that meeting. Go ahead.
Praise God. So we already got a trademark on the t-shirt, so. Amen. That'll be our Rejoice Detroit t-shirt. Amen. I am the D. Don't mess with me. So God is protective over this city. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Praise God. Well, thank you for for uh, uh, being attentive to this. I we just really wanted to share and give an update because I'm so appreciative of the people who support the Rejoice Detroit meetings, and we have some other people that are local in the in the area that come. And and uh, uh, um, Tony and his wife come over now, and and so they participate, and it's just wonderful because every gift that's added to what we do is is so great. And so they come from Lansing which is another place where it's a good to have a watch over the capital city. So it's, it's a real blessing to have them praying over there. So uh, we're going to take a short break in Healing Schools at One promptly. Um, this book is by Pastor Val, and it's interesting, The Prodigal Son's Brother. And so how much is it? You're going to sign a $5. See, easy on the pocketbook. So she's going to be out there now to sign books. And also, um, did I get mine? I don't want to compete with you, baby. I'm going to let you do right after this meeting because I've got to prepare for the next one. And so I'll have my book for signing after uh, after the healing school. I'll talk about it at the end of healing school, okay? Praise God. So we got 15 minutes. Everybody come, everybody come back.
going to start healing school and miracle service. Amen. Jesus is already here. He's always on time for healing school. Praise God. Praise God. Sister Watkins, um, do you happen to have your vial of oil from, right, your wife? No. Do you happen to have your vial of oil from last night? You guys remember what you did with it? I'm sorry, Hawkins. I said Watkins by mistake. You know, I was thinking about my um, my relatives in Dayton. <laughs> sorry. You know, stuff just goes through your mind all day long. I was just yelling. No wonder she didn't know who she was. That's okay. You know who you are. God knows who you are. Because Pastor Shirley, Pastor Shirley and I were saying last night, we believe your vial continue to refill itself when you were ministering last night. Because Pastor Shirley said they were working that oil. She said that little vial never did go down anywhere. Amen. Because, <laughs> you know, it's only happened to me one time. I was asking God for miracle work and power. And that's how he showed me 
and the crews of oil kept going up and up, and I kept pouring oil, and it kept going back up again. So I think we saw that last night as well. You know, we try to keep up with stuff like that, but when you notice it, you just look at it and say, oh, that's God, and you kind of keep going. But, but it was just kind of remarkable. I, kinda, I kept telling her, I said, there's a lot of oil on his hands all night long. I said, you know, we just, we just mentioned silly things. We said, that brother was working that oil pastor. I said, yeah, I noticed that, and it never went down. There's still oil in that pile. <laughs> anyway, praise God. We thank God for his manifestations. He's working around us all the time, and sometimes we don't even notice it, but praise God. All right, you can hear that music playing. There's nothing too hard for God. We just ask you to go around the room and touch every seat, pray, and ask God to bring the people and heal the people when they come. Father, we thank you for what you're going to do in this healing and miracle service. It's only you, God, that has the power. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you yourself took our infirmities. You took them yourself. Healing only comes through you and through the power of your name. So we thank you to sanctify this place to your glory, that you might have your way here in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God.
He's going to work it out for you, amen. Turn to somebody and say it. He's going to heal you today. He's going to work it out for you. Amen. about seven closings. I, I, do, I do that song just to give us an opportunity to get in the spirit and believe God for the impossible, but I also do it as a tribute to Dr. Maddie Mae Clark, the late uh, Dr. Maddie Moss Clark, um, who gave so much to the city of Detroit through her music and, and choirs she developed. And I don't know many people in church music that have not been touched by her. Uh, and she just was a very, very... Um, anointed, talented, innovative, giving woman of God and uh, left here, uh, you know, with a great legacy. And so I think that's one, that's probably the last live recording she ever did. And so we're just honored to have her sing for us every time we have healing school. Amen. All right. So why don't we stand and worship the Lord and we'll get started with the healing school. Praise God. <laughs> 